What is up, Doll fans, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Giondoletti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And hey, look, before we even start today's podcast, let me timestamp this right now. Hey, Siri, what day is today? It's Friday, February 4th, 2022. Okay. So it's Friday, February 4th, 2022. So I'm recording this before any news has been announced. Um, But I would just like to welcome Mike McDaniel as the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. That is right, guys. I'm recording this before I think he's even interviewed for the job yet. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, um, not to even boost an ego because it's not even me getting the information. Uh, but I mean, I think we can all safely say like Mike McDaniel, if anyone's going to get the job, it's going to be him over Kellen Moore. Like I think Kellen Moore probably has about a, a 3% chance of getting this job. Uh, since the beginning, I, I've always said my theory is that they wanted Harbaugh. Um, and I was told, you know, again, I've been, talking to people who are like the Dolphins are definitely interested in Harbaugh you guys listen to the podcast I talked about that how I would expect again no one told me that he was going to get hired but based off of the fact that they were pursuing him I thought for sure that they would hire him after the legal investigation has now occurred with Brian Flores which we talked about last podcast um I was told that like this wasn't the destination he wanted to go to anymore and the Dolphins kind of just stopped pursuing him. And again, since the beginning, it was Brian Dable, Dan Quinn, Mike McDaniels. Those were the three candidates and two of them are now no longer here. And again, since the beginning, the people, the person that I listened to and that I talked to who has very good inside sources said, Mike McDaniel is much higher than a lot of you think. And he put that on a Patreon. He put that on info that he talked to me about. Um, And so I was like, oh, okay. So Mike McDaniel is higher than we're being led to believe. And now it's between him and Kellen Moore. And this guy has said that, you know, Kellen Moore doesn't even, he's kind of, he's kind of just on there for safety or, or not safety, but like as a backup option. Like if Mike McDaniel says no, and there's no other coaches to hire, Kellen Moore will be the guy. So, you know, not even like, uh, you, you know, I, I can't even come on here and say like, oh, I'm predicting this is going to happen because I have inside information. I've been told this. Yes, I have actually, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't even lie about that. I have. Let me read. Uh, let me see. Let me read this real quick. Uh, this was from this person's Patreon. Um, and uh, also I, I talked to him. Uh, message. He said, just received a text message that not only is Mike McDaniel the front runner in Miami, but that a deal is expected to be hammered out this weekend. McDaniel to Miami done by weekend was the exact wording I received. So I could, you know, act like I'm surprised. I could write, I could wait for the news to happen this weekend, which it's going to. And I could be like, oh man, Mike McDaniel was hired. Whoa, let's let's uh, I didn't see this one coming and I could bring you guys a late podcast. But again, it's Friday right now. I trust this person. uh, And so like 
I'm just going to make a podcast about it now. Again, it's Friday, February 4th. I'm not sure if he's even interviewed yet, uh, but I'm just going to make a podcast now. That way, when the news breaks, probably, I mean, I'm not sure when it's going to break because I think Kellen Moore interviews tomorrow. And I would think, just thinking out loud, I would think that they would do his interview first before they offer it. But I would say they're probably going to offer it to him, I don't know what, tomorrow night? Maybe we might get news on Sunday morning or Monday morning. So instead of, you know, making a podcast then, I'm actually going to New York City on Sunday. I leave on Sunday. So, you know, I don't even want to take the chance the news is going to break when I'm not even able to make a podcast. So I'm just going to record the podcast now. Why not? Like, again, I don't care. Like, Mike McDaniel is going to be the next head coach. So let's just talk about it now. Why not? It's I know it's it's Friday, but I don't care. I, I You know, I know it hasn't been announced yet, but so what? All right, let's get into it. Uh, Mike McDaniel, let's start with some background on him before we get into like my thoughts on it, what I expect his philosophy to be when he comes in, what I expect to change. Um, so Mike McDaniel's 38 years old, uh, which I think he's young, okay? But with that, you know, a lot of people think that Mike McDaniel's just like this new guy in the NFL. Uh, but actually, Mike McDaniel's been in the NFL for 17 years now. He became an uh, an intern with the Denver Broncos in 2005. So he's been in the NFL for, again, 17 years now. Uh, so, you know, for those people out there that are like, oh, well, he, he's young, he's inexperienced. Like, I mean, 17 years is 17 years. The guy's been in the NFL since he was, what, 21? If he's 38 and that's 17 years, he's been in the NFL since he's 21. That's That's pretty impressive to me. Okay, he went to school in Yale. He went to Yale uh, and got a degree in history, which is not what you would expect from a football coach. Um, but nonetheless, like that goes to show you his his level of intellect. Like the guy's a smart guy for him to go to Yale. Uh, and and anyone that you listen to that talks about Mike McDaniel's just raves about his intellect, his football IQ, just how good of a uh, communicator he, he is. Uh, people have talked about his leadership people, players of his like George Kittle, um, have literally had stipulations in their contracts that, you know, they would not return or sign the contract if Mike McDaniel left. Uh, so Mike McDaniel is from all things that we have been hearing, obviously they're trying to get their friend hired, but from all things we've heard, the guy seems to be a really, really smart well put together, uh, f- next, uh, you know, next football savant type of guy like a Sean McVay and a Kyle Shanahan were when they got hired. And from interviews where you've listened to him, I mean, you see why he is an appealing uh, candidate, uh, right? Like he has, you know, he he's basically a 180 from Brian Flores, right? He is not that like just no emotion, Bill Belichick disciple. Like the guy is full of personality. Go look at his press conferences. The guy is full of personality. He's full of energy. He relates well to, you know, the media and the beat writers. He has good conversations with them. And when you've watched, you know, when I've watched like footage of him talking to players and talking to other coaches during clinics, like the guy really knows how to command a room and to communicate with people on a level to where you understand what he's saying. Um, 
But again, it, it it's like he relates to you, like you relate to him, I guess, because he's young. But also, he you don't just like not respect him because he's young. Like he commands a room, but also he is relatable and not like just like a machine. He has a personality, uh, and I think. You know, that'll be refreshing from having Brian Flores here, not only player for the players, but for the media and the fans. It'll be refreshing to have that type of personality reinvigorate the franchise. Um, so let's get into with that being said, let's get into kind of his background, because I think a big misconception is like, again, people think he's like super inexperienced and, you know, they think that he, a big thing is they think that he came in with like um, Kyle Shanahan. That's another thing is people keep assuming that he came in with Kyle Shanahan. Mike McDaniel again. So he started off as an intern with the Denver Broncos in 05. He then became an offensive assistant under Gary Kubiak in Houston from 06 to 08. He then went to uh, Sacramento Mountain Lions as a running backs coach from 09 to 2010. He then... This is where Mike Shanahan comes in. He then was hired as an offensive assistant for Washington, who are now the Washington Commanders. That's such a bad name, by the way. Yo, Washington Commanders is trash. Like, I liked Washington football team. I personally did. Like, Washington football team was, like, a super cool name to me. I I don't know. Personally, like, I love how soccer teams have, like, you know, uh, I, I don't know exact names, but, like, they'll be, like, the football club. You know, like, I liked the Washington football team. I thought they should have kept that commanders to me is kind of like, I don't know. It's pretty weak. sounds like an arena football team name, but whatever that's neither here nor there. Anyway, he was hired under Mike Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, not Kyle as an offensive assistant in 2011 and was then promoted to a wide receivers coach in 2013. So he was under him for three years and that staff that Mike Shanahan created was lights out. I mean, he had Raheem Morris on there. He had Sean McVay. He had Kyle Shanahan. He had uh, Matt LaFleur. Again, the dude had like, he had just rock stars all over. I mean, Mike, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers coach has like the best record over the last, you know, what is it? Three years now he's been the head coach there too. I don't know, but like they, they, he's had like at least 12 wins every season with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Sean McVay's in the Super Bowl right now. It's his second Super Bowl appearance in the last four years. And then Kyle Shanahan has been to, you know, NFC championships. He's been to two NFC championships in the last three years, a Super Bowl. Uh, as an offensive coordinator, he went to a Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. Like that staff was just loaded. So again, Mike uh, McDaniel got to learn under those coaches. Uh, from there, again, from Washington, he got a, uh, uh, a a lateral move. He went to Cleveland with Kyle Shanahan as a wide receivers coach in 14. He then became the offensive assistant under Kyle Shanahan when he became the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. So, again, he was an offensive assistant with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl. And then from there, obviously, recently, when Kyle Shanahan became the head coach for the 49ers in 2017, he hired Mike McDaniel as his run game coordinator. And then this past year, he became the offensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDaniel did, for the San Francisco 49ers. So, again, it's a long it's a long history of, of being in the NFL. Again, 17 years, I haven't been... 
I haven't even been a fan of the team of the Dolphins for 17 years. So he's been in the league for quite some time now. And, you know, again, when you look at the people that Mike Shanahan hired, the names I just listed previously, the Sean McVay's, the, Ma- the Matt LaFleur's, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Raheem Morse's, like the, 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 the staff that he's created are stacked. And so for Mike Shanahan to have that much confidence in Mike McDaniel to where when Kyle Shanahan left and went to Cleveland and then Atlanta and became a head coach, for him to be like, hey, take Mike McDaniel with you, coach him, and the fact that Kyle Shanahan has kept Mike McDaniel like for this long, like that just goes to show you that this guy has to be good. He has to be. He wouldn't be under a coaching tree like Mike Shanahan's for that long if he wasn't. Okay. He wouldn't be in the league for 17 years if he wasn't good. Um and you know, on top of that, I know for fact that the Dolphins last year, when they were trying to get an offensive coordinator, they wanted Mike McDaniel, but Kyle Shanahan said, hell no, if it's just going to be a lateral move, he's not leaving. You know, like I can understand, yeah, if he's going to be an, a head coach, he can leave. But no, if he's going to be an offensive coordinator, he's just going to be a coordinator here with uh, with us. So, um, again, the guy has been in the league for quite some time now. He's been an offensive assistant, running back, co- running back coach, wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, uh, So his resume is there. It's not just like, you know, he was in San Francisco and that's it. The guy's been in the NFL. Hopefully the main thing when we get into, actually, you know, I'll get into like my main concern for Mike McDaniel because there's a concern obviously for like every head coach that we could have hired, like for, you know, Jim Harbaugh, for instance, it was like three years from now, four years from now, what's the locker room going to look like? You know, is he going to burn people out? Every head coach has concerns, in my opinion. At least I have concerns about every head coaching candidate. Uh, So we'll talk about it with Mike McDaniel. So again, the guy you're hiring is young, right? Uh, He's kind of like Brian Flores when you hired him. Uh, Young head coach, never uh, called plays before. I think Brian Flores called plays his last year maybe in New England. Um, But again, a guy like Brian Flores, who has kind of just been behind the scenes for a long time and then just recently has just been, you know, skyrocketing up the ranks of like, you know, coordinator, now head coach. Uh, And let me just talk about first how I feel about the hire before we get into what I expect to happen change wise uh, in, in on the team now that he has been hired. So as far as my my thoughts and my opinions on the hire, if you guys remember when I did my top head coaching candidate high or who I wanted as a head coaching candidate, my top four in order were Eric Bieniemy, uh, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, Brian Dable in that order. Uh, side note, I'm not really sure how Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. That's a big word to use, but like I'm flabbergasted that he hasn't gotten a head coaching job because the excuse for Eric B real quick on a quick tangent is like, Oh, he either a doesn't call plays, which Andy Reid said is completely false. Or they say, well, look, he has Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Okay. Well, Brian Dable got a job. 
And Brian Dable, it's literally the exact same excuse. Like Josh Allen was his quarterback. And yeah, you could say, well, you know, Brian Dable, look at the job he did with Josh Allen. But again, look at the job Eric Bieniemy has done with Patrick Mahomes. So like Eric Bieniemy, I'm shocked that he didn't even get an interview here. Uh, I can understand why, because I've kind of had like this revelation, uh, you know, this eye-opening light bulb moment where I realized that the best scheme for Tua is not the Chiefs or the Bills scheme. And I think that's something that we didn't pay attention to enough as Dolphin fans. We just were like, Brian Dable, Brian Dable, Brian Dable. And I think a big reason why they were like, hey, you can go to New York and that's fine. We will go with Mike McDaniel is because like scheme wise, this is something that I really like about Mike McDaniel is his scheme is perfect for Tua. And I kind of had this light bulb moment where we keep talking about what with Tua. We, we say he needs an offensive line. He needs a running game. Wide receivers, obviously, because, you know, our wide receivers aren't healthy. I don't really think that's as important as the run game and offensive line. But, like, we keep wanting, especially, and again, this I'm talking to myself here, we keep wanting the Eric Bieniemy's, the Brian Dables. But, like, that scheme, you have to have a quarterback who is a gunslinger. You have to. And I'm not saying Tua isn't a good quarterback, but what I'm saying is he's a, he's not that type of quarterback, right? He's not the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, throw the ball 50 times a game type of guy. He is much more the Tom Brady, the Drew Brees, the, again, not comparing him to this quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, where if you set up a good run game play action, then they can, you know, use that decision-making accuracy to kind of just like slice and dice you all day long. And so I thought to myself, I was like, you know, as much as originally I didn't like Mike McDaniel as a head coaching hire, he was in my honorable mentions. Um, I've slowly started to realize that like, again, yes, he, you know, may not have maybe as impressive of a resume because you may look at someone like Eric Bieniemy or, Brian Dable, and you may say, man, look at their offense. The quarterback just goes crazy. But like Tua is not that type of quarterback. Tua can thrive in the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan style offense, which is a West Coast quick passing game predicated on timing, zone gap run blocking scheme. If he can establish that type of scheme here in Miami, you're going to see Tua flourish. Because again, if you can ask Tua to just be that, you know, again, like if you can ask Tua to just be the not game manager, and I don't like the term game manager because it's like, I don't, I don't know. Tom Brady was a game manager. So like game manager is used as like a negative term, but if you can ask Tua to be like the point card point guard game manager of a football game, he's going to excel extremely well. Right, We saw that every time they played the Patriots, they literally were using a scheme that is what he should be using. They would run the ball like crazy and ask him to be like a point card and just distribute the ball quick passes. And that is a big reason why we got destroyed by Tennessee, but we were able to beat New England is because of the game plan. So 
one of the things I love and the main thing I love about Mike McDaniel is not so much like his personality, his energy and stuff. I think everyone likes that. I'm not going to hang my hat on that because, again, I need to see him as a head coach when all the responsibility is on him before I'm like, man, look at his personality. I need to see his personality as a head coach. But what I can tell you from an X's and O's standpoint is I'm really, really eager to see what he can do with Tua in this scheme. Because, again, when he comes here, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but when he comes here, obviously... He's going to, you know, install the Shanahan type of West Coast system. He's going to try to build that type of offense here. And I think again, and this is a I was wrong moment, and I'm fine saying that. When I look at schemes that best fit your quarterback, which is the main reason why you're going to hire an offensive head coach, the best scheme for Tua is not the you know, go crazy, throw it 50 times a game scheme. It's going to be the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan scheme, which is let's have a phenomenal running game. Let's play tough. Let's play physical. And when two is asked to make the right throws, he's going to make them. Now, hopefully he does that again, but I'm saying the best scheme for Tua is not the Alabama scheme. And this is something I've talked about on spaces the last week we keep trying to replicate Alabama Tua, and you're you're trying to replicate the wrong thing. This is the NFL. This isn't college football. Okay, he plays for the Miami Dolphins, not the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, and so you're not going to go out there and have the best O line, the best wide receivers, the best defense, the best running backs. No, you're you in most games you're going to have just as good, if not maybe not uh, uh, you know a little worse. Than the opponent. That's just how the Dolphins have been the last 20 years. And so unless you're again, I'm trying to think of like a roster where, you know, it's not in Alabama. It's like seeing the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs play the Jacksonville Jaguars every game. Right. But in the NFL, you're going to have much more even games. Everyone's going to be stronger, faster, smarter. It's literally the best of the best. And so Tua in the NFL does not need the same scheme that Tua did in college. In college, you could get away with Tua throwing it 50 times a game because he played in Alabama. And, like, again, his guys were wide open all the time. So, of course, yeah, I'm just going to stand back and it's going to be like seven-on-seven drills. And it's going to be a piece of cake for me. In the NFL, it's much tougher. And the best scheme for Tua especially now that he I think he's permanently going to just not be the same type of quarterback because of the hip especially because of that the scheme you need to be running is again the Kyle Shanahan Mike Shanahan West Coast scheme okay so I love that from an X's and O standpoint of man Mike Shan or Mike McDaniel system could potentially fix a lot of the Dolphins issues that we've had for the last like 15, 20 years, which is, you know, offensive line, run game, quarterback. Okay. My only concern, okay, before we get into what I think he's going to do when he comes here, my only concern with Mike McDaniel, and it's not specific to him, it's any first time head coach, is I have no idea how he's going to handle building a staff and 
you know, learning the game as far as what to do, what not to do as a head coach. I have no, like the whole worrying about him as a leader or worrying about like if he's going to be able to command the room. Like I have no worry at all about that because Brian Flores was probably the most intimidating commanding coach we've ever had aside from Don Shula maybe. And he lost the locker room by the end of his tenure. Like people hated him. Xavier Howard, our best player, like the leader, the unsung hero leader of our defense, but behind the scenes hated him. Okay. A lot of people, basically the whole entire offense hated him. Okay. He, he left, he got fired from the team because again, he couldn't build an offensive staff and his players were turning on him. Like the locker room was divided. So this whole, you need a guy who can be, you know, the most intimidating guy in the room to be your head coach. It's completely false. You just need a guy who's going to be authentic, honest, and like, again, you don't have to command the room by being the biggest guy. You need to command a room by being able to communicate with people and for people to know that you have their best interest in mind and that you relate to them on a personal level. Right. And I don't, again, I don't worry that Mike McDaniel's not gonna, you know, be able to be like a, a leader of men. Like I have no issue with that. That's the problem that everyone talks about with young head coaches, especially from the Shanahan tree, right? We said that about Kyle Shanahan. We said that about Sean McVay, you know, Matt LaFleur. And we're like, oh man, they're, they're young. They look like nerds. Are they going to be able to command a room? And they've been in like every NFC championship game for the last like four years. So, you know, this whole, you need to be the biggest guy, the most intimidating guy to be a head coach is completely false. You need to be able to communicate with people. You need to be able to, you know, keep your composure and you need to be able to relate to people. If you can do that, that that's, that's what's going to make you successful. But again, my only worry is what type of staff is he going to build? Right. Because if you look at successful first time head coaches, and I think that Brian Dable, as long as personality wise, he's okay. I think like what he did in, 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 in New York was phenomenal. Like again, come in, Ken Dorsey's not there, but you hire, um, gosh, I'm, I'm forgetting, you know, the, the giants head uh, offensive coordinator name. Uh, Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. There he is. Quarterback. He was a quarterback coach in, in Kansas City. But you hire a guy like Mike Kafka. You get Joe Brady as your quarterback coach. And on defense, you know, I, I think as of right now, they're going to keep Patrick Graham because, again, he knows the defense. The players know him. The players really like him from what I hear. So he's not going to fail in that aspect. And so with Mike McDaniel, the only thing I worry about is – not so much can he build an offensive staff, but is he going to be able to figure out how to maintain the defense that we have? And I think personally, as much as I'm not a fan of Josh Boyer, which I've said on the podcast before, I do think it would be a smart move of him to come in and not just redo the whole entire defense because the defense that he will run if he takes the San Francisco defense here is not at all what we run here. He runs predominantly zone coverage type of scheme in San Francisco in Miami. It's all man. It's like 90% man coverage. 
okay exotic looks blitzes cover zero and if you come in and try to change that well there's going to be a lot of players on your team that you no longer need because they can't do what you want them to do so i think it would be smart of him to come in and you know maybe bring in some assistance you know that you know but as far as just the top guys your defensive coordinators your position coaches i think it would be smart of him don't change a lot because again just because they may not be the wink martindales of the world they're gonna let him know hey this is what went sour in the last relationship with brian flores he's gonna let them know hey this is what we like to do in years past this is what's worked this is what hasn't this is what our players can do Right. And so from that standpoint, it would be smart of him to come in and keep those guys in place. Because, again, if you get rid of them, you're kind of starting from, you know, square one. So I I, I personally think that, you know, he'll probably be able to succeed at creating a staff better than Flores did. It's not really hard to do considering Flores couldn't figure out the offense in three years. Uh, he went through like five offensive coordinators, a new O-line coach every year. So it can't get really much worse than that. But again, with any first-time head coach, I would say that. It's not Mike McDaniel specific. Any head coach that comes in, my main worry is going to be, can you build a staff? If you can, again, typically, if you look at it, if we just boil it down to X's and O's or you know, boil it down to the bottom line, the main reason why you feel warm and fuzzy and more comfortable with a, a uh, experienced head coach is not only because like they know how to be a head coach, but mainly it's because I know when they come in, they'll know what the hell to do and how to build a staff, right? Because every coach at once was a first-time head coach. So the main thing that separates, really the only thing truly that separates good first time head coaches from bad is their inability to learn from experienced people or slash place experienced people around them and create a staff. If you can do those two things, again, learn from experienced people, surround yourself with experience and also build a staff. If you can do those things, you know, you're going to be a successful first time head coach. And at least from the track record of Shanahan disciples, they they've been able to do it. Right. And so Mike McDaniel seems like a really, really smart guy. He has a degree in history, so he should study the history of the NFL and what a good first time head coach does, you know, so he should have no problem with it. But again, it, it does concern me, but hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that isn't an issue with him. Now, let's talk about what I expect him to do when he comes in here. Uh, obviously, on defense, let's just start with that because it's the easiest. Defensively, I don't really think much is going to change. Um, you know, I haven't heard specifics of who he's going to hire, if he's going to hire anyone, who he's keeping, who he's not keeping. But I think, like, he's probably going to keep intact a lot of what we have. If it were up to me, I would fire Josh Boyer because, again, from stories I've heard about play calling and stuff, I don't trust him. If it were me, I would promote Gerald Alexander to be my new defensive coordinator because I think Gerald Alexander has a future as a head coach, right? Um, I think that, you know, he should be a head coach within two years. And the main way to do that is to start promoting these guys. 
So I would release Josh Boyer, but again, keep someone like Gerald Alexander who knows the players. He knows the schemes. His players love him. Like I've heard so many good things about Gerald Alexander. So that's what I would do if I were him. But I think, you know, regardless, you know, just looking back or looking at it from the big picture, he's not going to change scheme or anything on defense, right? That That's going to stay the same. He'll probably keep a lot of guys intact where they are, maybe do some promotions, have some of his guys that he knows or has heard of or worked with that run that same scheme come in to be position, you know, coaches. But overall, defense is going to mainly stay intact. Now, from an offensive perspective, I do not know who he's going to hire as an offensive coordinator. And quite honestly, I don't care. And the reason for that is because how, um, so, so different teams work different ways. So like, for instance, with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick doesn't call plays on defense. So his defensive coordinators, if they get jobs, it's because they just called plays that previous year on defense. With Kyle Shanahan, though, especially if you're on offense, it doesn't work that way. Like, they pride themselves, Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan, at being offensive gurus. Having a knack for for being able to call plays. That's one of the things I always criticized Brian Flores on was, you need to just, like, take charge and call plays more. And that was a big problem last year with play calling was... You know, I understand you're trying to like empower the people below you and elevate them. But if you have a knack for something, do it. And with Kyle Shanahan, you know, a big criticism on Mike McDaniel is, well, he doesn't call plays. Well, Kyle Shanahan's incredible calling plays. So what kind of disservice would Kyle Shanahan be doing to his team if he didn't, if he said, you know what, someone else who is not as good as me or I don't feel comfortable with should call the plays. Right. Just like Kyle Shanahan. Look at Kyle Shanahan. He was once under his dad and his dad called the police. And then eventually Kyle Shanahan started calling the plays on other teams. Right. And that's how the cycle worked. Just because Mike McDaniels doesn't call plays or Mike McDaniel, no S, doesn't call plays doesn't mean he can't. Again, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, you know, those type of guys didn't call plays. But when you're under someone for this long, right? He's under Mike Shanahan. He's under, you know, Sean McVay, who became a head coach, Matt LaFleur. You know, he was under Kyle Shanahan still. You learn from that, right? Just because you're not calling the plays. I don't know if people understand how, you know, preparation for a game works. But if you're under, if you want to know what an offensive coordinator does, if they don't call plays, they do everything else an offensive coordinator does except call plays, which is they prepare the game plan, right? That's 100% going to be Mike McDaniel job. Okay, he's going to be the guy that goes in and says, you know, he's going to read the other team's defense and he's going to game plan, put a bunch of plays in there that should maximize their strengths against the other team's weaknesses. Okay, so he's going to create the game plan. He's going to say, hey, for example, let's just say this is, let's say they use 50 plays a game. He's going to say, these are the 50 plays we should have. And with that in mind, let's script the first drive. And Kyle Shanahan, you're going to use these plays that we all put together in our game plan. And you're going to go off of this play sheet. Okay. It's not like they have their whole entire playbook every game when they go in. Okay. They have a select, you know, again, let's just say for argument's sake, it's 50 plays. 
they have 50 plays and they go into a game and those are the 50 plays that the offensive coordinator schemed up and took from the playbook and now whoever calls the plays is going to be using you know that that sheet to to select which plays he wants to use if that makes sense so again just because Mike McDaniel doesn't call the plays it doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to like scheme it doesn't mean he doesn't know how to read defenses and and game plan for how to attack them so when Mike McDaniel comes in he's going to be the play caller I'd be shocked if he wasn't because every you know Shanahan disciple when they go become a head coach they call plays so he's going to be the play caller I'm not sure who he's going to take from you know from where to be his offensive coordinator. I would assume it's going to be someone from San Fran that he's close with, you know, um, that would, I don't know if that would make sense to me. Just take someone that, you know, from San Francisco that you're friends with, uh, that way they understand the, the power, you know, the, 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 I don't, I don't know how to say that the, the flow of power that, Hey, I'm calling plays, but let's game plan this together. Okay. You're going to be my coordinator. You're just not going to call plays. So I would expect him to hire basically his whole offensive staff from people that either he's worked with in San Francisco, people that he's worked with on other teams, maybe people that Kyle's worked with that he would recommend, you know, guys that work with Sean McVay, Green Bay, you know, look for, you know, coaches who are currently employed by other Shanahan disciples. That's typically how it works, right? You're just going to go get guys that either you've worked with or who have worked with people that you have worked with. Now, from a personnel standpoint, as far as like players, um, I mean, running back wise, I would assume that he's probably going to draft someone this year. We're not going to ignore the position. Uh, he'll probably, if it were up to me, I would say try to find someone, you know, if if someone like a Nicobe Dean isn't there or a Trevin Penning at offensive tackle isn't there for you at 29, I would say just go with a running back. Why not? Like, I mean, if you're going to install the, the Shanahan offense, it needs to have a good running back. It needs to have a good offensive line, a good running back, and wide receivers who can block. So for me, again, like I would assume he's going to draft a running back. For If I had my picket guys, if you're going to take a wide receiver, Traylon Burks, I mean, that dude's number one on my board. Wide receiver-wise, he's wide receiver number one. He can block. He's tough. He can make guys miss. He can separate. He is physical as hell. Uh, he can fit that Debo Samuel type of role. So can a Jalen Waddle. You know, but Jalen Waddle's not as sturdy. Traylon Burks is. Um, so, you know, running back, I'm not really sure who you would go with. Uh, you could go with a Kenneth Walker or Isaiah Spiller at you know the the end of the first round if you're going offensive tackle trevin penning if he's still there he probably won't be um so you know i'm not really sure running back wise who he would go with but i would assume he's gonna draft one uh offensive line wise i mean because again he he runs that gap zone running scheme offense where you need guys who are able to move in space and so, like, Liam Eichenberg, Jesse Davis, Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson, maybe. But, like, I mean, realistically, the only guys he he would he should keep, realistically, if it were me, is, like, Robert Hunt and I'd kick Michael Dieter out to left guard. Um, if you had a better draft pick, what I would do is draft a Tyler Linderbaum and then go out in free agency and get your two tackles. That way you have two stud tackles 
And then you have, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm trying to see like Armstead, Ramcheck, Linderbaum at center, and then Hunt and Dieter at your guards. I think that would be like a realistic way to fix your offensive line. But again, he can't really keep a lot of guys. Like, I know you just drafted Liam Eikenberg, but he really doesn't fit your scheme at all. Austin Jackson does because he's able to move well in space. It's just like he's not like powerful. Like, I'm so like his footwork's a mess. He's not that powerful. Um, and so he is, he gets destroyed on the inside, and so would Liam Eikenberg. So if I were, um, uh, Mike McDaniel coming in, I would probably get rid of a lot of your offensive linemen, except like, again, Michael Dieter, kick him out to guard and Robert Hunt at right guard, I think is great. But other than that, I mean, I would expect him to go out and prioritize offensive line because, you know, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, like, look at any Shanahan disciple, like look at uh, Robert Sala, who's even on defense. What did he do? Like, as soon as he came in, he prioritized offensive line. Right, got a running back later in the draft, and um, what do you get? Elijah Vera Tucker in the draft. Right, people who come from the Shanahan system understand. I need, I must have a good offensive line for this scheme to work. So I would expect again, if if you're someone who's like, I want offensive linemen, this is the coach you want because he's going to come in and he is going to, in my opinion, either draft someone real high or what I would do. Go secure your tackles in free agency and either draft someone high, uh, trade up to draft like a Tyler Linderbaum, or I, I mean, I'm not really sure what he could do. I guess he would, he could go out and get someone again in free agency and just basically buy his whole entire offensive line, his tackles and his center. Uh, but, you know, again, just like scheme fit, a lot of your offensive linemen don't fit your scheme. And then wide receiver wise, again, Will Fuller is gone. Um, Devonte Parker, I'm hearing they're shopping him rightfully. So like, I don't know why he's even on the team. Uh, I would keep Matt Collins personally, because again, he's a great blocker. He's physical. He honestly is, I don't know why he wasn't a starter last year. He should have been, but again, ride receiver wise, I would keep Waddle, Lynn Bowden and Matt Collins. Other than that, I'll go out and get some guys, whether it's unrestricted free agents, whether it's a Traylon Burks in the draft, if he's available, probably won't be, but I'll go get guys like that in free agency, unrestricted free agent, um, or undrafted rookie, you know, uh, or someone in the mid rounds of the draft, but wide receiver wise, again, guys, I think definitely are going to get kept waddle, um, for sure. Obviously Lynn Bowden, Matt Collins, there might be like one or maybe Preston Williams, possibly. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. And then tight end wise, that's another thing where, you know, obviously let's not ignore the fact that um, Mike Gesicki needs a contract extension. Uh, This is probably going to be one of the most debated topics we talk about when it comes to the players we have on the team. I think we can all agree we should re-sign Emmanuel Ogba. But when it comes, and I think we should re-sign Nick Needham. But when it comes to tight end, I mean, I understand the value Mike Kosicki gives you. All those worried about his end of the year performance in 2021, I'm I'm told a lot of that was just him being checked out because he couldn't stand the Brian Flores. 
So he was kind of just like checked out because he didn't, obviously no one knew they were going to fire him. So Mike Kosicki was like, I'm going to get cut anyway because Brian Flores wasn't going to re-sign him. So I'm not going to be on this team anyway. So I really don't care at this point. My coach is an asshole to me. And again, whether you agree with that or not of him checking out, he checked out. So, But you look at the, the tight ends like George Kittle. In a dominant run game where your running game is the center focus of your offense, you need tight ends who can block. And so I'm not quite sure what they plan on doing with Mike Kosicki because I could totally see them just using him as a big bodied wide receiver. I could, but I could also see them being like, Hey, you're, it's not you as a player. My scheme would not highlight you. And if I were Mike McDaniel, I would not resign Mike Kosicki. And I would say, Hey, this has literally absolutely nothing to do with you, but you know, my scheme. And we all know Not only are you not the best blocker, but that's not even what you're best at. And so as a head coach, how can I sit here and say, hey, I'm going to try to maximize your potential in a scheme where, you know, I can't best utilize your talents. So again, I think you're a hell of a player in my scheme. You don't fit, but like, you know, hats off to you on your impressive career and go kill it somewhere else. So that's what I would say, because again, you look at a Mike Kosicki and I'm not saying they won't keep him. Again, I have no inside information on that, but I, I mean, in a predominant running game, Mike Kosicki is not a good blocker at all. So like you either have to change him to a wide receiver or use him mainly as a wide receiver. But again, if you're going to pay him 13 to 15 million a year, which is what he's going to ask for. I can't pay a tight end 13, 15 a year to be used as, you know, a tight end who is a wide receiver that is only used as like a, you know, big bodied wide receiver in a scheme where we don't even need that. You know, uh, I've yet to see what Hunter Long can do. You know, like we have yet to see what Hunter Long can do. Wouldn't be shocked if he became tight end one because he can pass block and he can catch. So wouldn't be shocked if like you went into next year and he was tight end one. Wouldn't be shocked at all. That's what I would do probably. Um, what I would love, crossing my fingers, it's not going to happen. But again, we know George Kittle had a um, stipulation in his contract. Mike McDaniel needs to be here. Yo, what if George Kittle asked for a trade? I want to go with Mike McDaniel. Man, <laughs> I'm just saying that would be my dream scenario. I, I don't think it'll happen, but oof. you get George Kittle. You finally get a tight end. Okay, you fix that offensive line. Go get a running back with the offensive line. You're golden. Two is fine. He's got his tight end. He's got his running game. He'll make the receivers work, whoever's there. So, I don't know, man. It's an exciting future. Again, I'm making this podcast on Friday. I don't. We don't even know how his interview went, let alone that he's been hired yet. But, again, from people I've talked to and from stuff, again, that I've heard, Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Oh, no, this is... Okay, no. Uh, Let's see. To to those who say Mike McDaniel isn't qualified because he doesn't call police. Um, 
Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. I was just reading the tweet. I apologize. This podcast kind of been like all over the place this episode, but again, I don't care. I, I, I won't be able to do a podcast on Sunday or Monday, which is probably when they're going to announce the next head coach, which will be Mike McDaniel. But again, I don't care. I'm making this on Friday. It's five 11 on Friday, February 4th. So yeah, I'm excited for Mike McDaniel. I really am. I can't say I'm not. He might, he may have been an honorable mention, but again, the more I've thought about just how to best unlock to his potential, the more I've come to like realize like what do I really want as a Dolphin fan? It's I want a run game and a good offensive line. Mike McDaniel's going to prioritize those two things. As far as him being a leader, again, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about him being able to command a room. I'm not worried about him not having called plays before because you don't understand what a coordinator does then. He game plans, he creates the game plan, he creates the he puts all the plays in the game plan that they're going to use and Kyle Shanahan calls him because he's really good at it. And then Mike, Mike McDaniel, when he becomes a head coach, he'll call plays just like Sean McVay did not And now he does, you know, uh, you know, you look at Kyle Shanahan didn't used to, and now he does as a head coach. You look at someone like uh, Mike, Matt LaFleur didn't call plays and now he does. So I'm not worried about that. The only thing I'm worried about is what is he going to do on the staff? How is he going to handle you know, creating experience around him, leadership around him to guide him since he's new with this. Um, that's really the only thing I'm concerned about. Aside from that, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about his personality. I'm excited about his ability to communicate. I'm excited about just having a guy that I think truly can fix the offense and help to out. Um, and more importantly, I'm just, can I be honest? I'm excited to have a head coach because it's been like a month now. So I'm excited to just have a head coach, have a guy that we can be like, that's the head coach. Now we can start focusing on free agency. We can start focusing on the draft and not have to worry about, you know, who's the next guy going to be. So with that being said, guys, again, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. When I release this, which will probably be Monday, right after the news is announced, either Sunday or Monday. I'm not sure when the news will be announced, but as soon as the news is announced, I will release this podcast and... I hope you guys enjoy it. Again, it's weird knowing that you're going to be listening to this when the news is announced, but it's Friday right now, so that's weird, but it should be super, super fun. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. Fins up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami.